G'day, how the hell are you? Welcome to episode number 119 of the Average Man Podcast. We are here on Sunday the 13th, Sunday the 13th of uh, March, and I've got a lot of echo going on in my ears, so hopefully you guys aren't copping that too, I'm sure you're not, I'll just deal with it and, and move past it. Um, and uh, it's hot as absolute balls out there. So welcome, welcome back. I have been away for a little, uh, a couple of weeks. Didn't get one recorded while I was down south. So you know, there's we're we're in lag time at the moment. So I'll make up for it. Um, I did go down south last week. Been back for a week now. Drove back in last Sunday night. And look, it was very eventful and um, more or less a successful trip. It definitely didn't feel like a holiday. People keep saying to me, how was your break? How was your holiday? And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I was away for a week. It wasn't such a, 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 it wasn't really a holiday as such. It didn't feel like it anyway. I was quite busy. Uh, I did study and like some assessments on the days that I had nothing to do or on the, the periods that I had nothing to do. And then there was a running around and organising to do. And then I had to drive down to Bustleton with the ute, pick the ute up. Awesome. Looks bloody awesome. There was a couple more little um, uh, obstacles to overcome when I first picked it up. It wasn't just as straightforward as I'd have uh, hoped. So the, the ute, um, finally rocked up, it was meant to be fit on the, the Monday, it finally rocked up Tuesday afternoon, John from Swank put the, the cab on and cut the window on the vent in for me, uh, I went and picked it up lunchtime on the Wednesday, there'd been a couple of bits that were forgotten, like um, some brackets and a jerry can holder, so then I had to go from Swank to the Norweld shed, which was in like another 40 minutes out of, uh, down south, and picked that up and drove all the way back home. Uh, to to my parents' house. I was going to try and put the awning on that afternoon, but yeah, me and my dad had a crack at it. We were there for about an hour and a half, and I just was just running out of time and didn't want to rush it. So I left the awning off, um, packed my bag, headed up to my mate's house, Eli's house, which is back south again, another hour and a half, um, and then crashed there the night. We took off down Bustleton the next morning to go get the electrics done. So because I moved the whole canopy. Uh, it, it's um, installation and the and the 12 volt system installation. I had to go down to Bustleton where old mate spends half of his time week in Perth week down down in Bustleton. RD from, um, Riley from RD Auto Electrics. So I went down and saw him there and um, did the damn thing. And he did a really really good job. So that's I'm, I'm happy with the end result. That it's really tidy. That the, the um, system I've got set up is just beautiful. I was a little bit worried about it all for some reason. Um, just the unknown, I think, but he did a really good job, mate, so, um, happy with that, happy with that, how that all went, and, uh, while we were down there, so we got down there on the Thursday morning, early Thursday morning, dropped my ute off, and then 
sort of hung out for a bit, did a bit of a pub crawl through Busso. There's like four or five pubs or, you know, um, a couple of breweries and a couple of pubs and, you know, uh, a, a microbrewery or something like that. So we kind of did those during the day and we're both like 38, 37, 38. So by like four in the afternoon, we were done and to get back to the, to the hotel room and have a bit of a, a rest, kip, a bit of a, a lie down, some water, some coffee and, and regain our... Um, energy for the for the rest of the evening which consisted of absolutely nothing sitting there watching movies <laughs> um and then the next morning we were going to go for a bit of an adventure i had a few things on my list i wanted to tick off while i was down there and wanted to go for a drive out of town and just yeah we were in the southwest we wanted to get out and um and uh sort of experience it a little bit but first thing on the list was to go for a skate because me mate Eli had his um, new skateboard down there with him. So we had a longboard that I was running and he's got this skatey with uh, – it's got like an articulating front truck, which basically means yeah, it's kind of – it's it's got a not quite a 180 – yeah, not quite a 180-degree rotation on the front truck. So you can kind of really carve your front foot. So more, it's more like the – feels a bit more like surfing. There's a few different designs for this kind of skateboard, but um, his particular one, that's that's how that worked. And he was having a bit of a cruise around the bowl on it. We were there for about 45 minutes. I just had this longboard, as I said, so all I could do was really go back and forth and find the picker line that didn't have any too, too sharp edges because the boards are quite long and they just kind of cruise and go up and down the um, some of the inclines and declines and, and just have a, bit of a fun, have a bit of fun like that. And he was just playing around in the bowl and... We must have been there for 45 minutes, starting to warm up. We were ready to go off and get on with the next part of the adventure. And he kind of did the old, oh, I'll just go for one more run and then we'll get out of here. He jumped in the bowl. I was posting something on Insta, I think, and he jumped in the bowl and did a, you know, had a bit of a, a circuit, a bit of a run. And at the last moment, he went up the vert part of the bowl, didn't make it, didn't pull it off, fell down face first, smacked both his wrists on the bottom of the bowl because he had a bit of a free fall and broke one of his arms, his wrist really, like smashed it and then damaged the other one pretty badly too. So that kind of, I wasn't certain that he'd broken it at first. I was trying to like, calm him down and get him to just breathe and have some water and get some painkillers and some ice to see how it was um, feeling, but he was adamant it was broken. He was pretty worked up. Um, got him in the car down to the the hospital, which was like the longest drive ever. There's just there was traffic there. It was a long weekend. There's this set of lights that we must have sat at for five minutes or something. It felt like about half an hour. Um, got him to the emergency. I couldn't even go in or anything because of the new COVID rules. So I just had to basically drop him off at the front like a hot potato. And um, he went in and yeah, had definitely broken broken one of his arms. So he spent the rest of the day in the in the hospital and I was sort of stuck in limbo. We were between hotel rooms, so I didn't have anywhere to sort of hang out until check-in time at two. I couldn't drink, so I knew I had to drive him and go pick him up again. And I didn't want to go too far out of town because I had no idea when he was going to call me to go pick him up. So I kind of just floated around um, and felt, oh, I was quite stressed about like how wasting the day, wasting the day down south, sort of on a bit of a holiday. It was like a boy's trip down to Bustleton. We were going to make the most of it. And, you know, he broke his arm and was stuck in hospital and I was floating around not knowing what to do with my bloody self. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what happened to the trip. So that didn't really feel like much of a holiday. And then the next day it was, you know, I picked him up that afternoon. He was very subdued, had, fucking, you know, some, some decent painkillers on board, Oxycontin or Codeine or Oxycodeine, I think it is. So I just picked him up and went back to the hotel room and 
um, again, watched another movie and chilled out, and I was off early the next morning. Um, but look, I was glad to get the Ute back, man. It looks it looks really good. If you haven't been over to my, my Instagram page, go over and check it out. I'll, I'll um I haven't posted any more pics of it yet because it's just so bloody hot in Port Hedland. I haven't been outside a whole lot. I want to get it out somewhere and get it all set up with the awning pulled out and with our gear inside and get a few action shots as well. But um, for now, there's some shots of when I first left Bustleton, so it doesn't have the awning on yet. Pulled up on the beach here and got a bit of a few shots and actually did a bit of a walkthrough video as well, which I'm yet to edit and put up online. Um, so that was cool. Uh, and, and like I said, good to get it back. The car was down there for a month, five weeks or something like that in the end. So, And then got to drive that all the way home. I drove back to Perth that day, hung out with my parents that night, had a couple of drinks, and then got up at 4am on the Sunday morning uh, of last weekend and just punched it all the way home, big 16-hour stint. Got a $400 and six demerit point uh, fine uh, just outside of Carnarvon, so that was lovely. Uh, and I was so vigilant too, man. I was pumping on about 130 k's an hour, allegedly, uh, most of the way home. But just was always, always had my eye out. Uh, like whenever I saw a, a car on the horizon, you'd slow down to 110. But just missed it on this one crest, and it was a copper. He pulled me over. And it was in between towns too, where you don't normally see him. So I was quite devastated about that. Did not stop me from allegedly driving 130 kilometers uh, uh, at least the rest of the way home. Um, I was just far more vigilant after that. And then, because it's a new car, we haven't done any long runs in it yet, I wanted to see uh, how far the, you know you get your fuel uh, usage estimate on the, on, the, um, on the display, but I actually wanted to know what that meant in real time and you know, when you're going a bit over the speed limit as well and, and just to see how much fuel she was bloody using. So I wanted to run it, you know right down to low, fill it right up and see how far I got off a, off a full, off one tank. And, you know, because you need to know those things, basically. When you're travelling around, sometimes it's good to know how far you've actually got when your gauge says you're near empty. Do you have 50Ks? Do you have 70Ks? Do you have 20Ks? So I, I really wanted to figure that out and I went through... So my last stop filling up was... Where did we fill up? I must have put fuel in um, in in Carnarvon, yeah, yeah, just on the north side of Carnarvon, and that in the Prado that would get me home pretty comfortably, even sitting on 130, even towing, so that I'd get from Carnarvon to Port Hedland pretty comfortably. So I was confident I'd get all the way to to he, uh, to Hedland as well, and so was the the trip. You know, it tells you how far you got to empty, and that was that was working out that I would make it home with with K's to spare as well. And then at about Fortescue, I think, was the last servo I went past, and I had a look, and it said I had like 380 k's to get home and like 320 kilometres to Port Hedland, so I should have had like 50 k's, 60 k's in the bag um, to, to make it home. And then, um, so I stopped worrying about it, just... Yeah, got on that road between Roburn and Carrather eventually and then just sort of started punching at home. And then when I looked at the fuel gauge, like the, the, the usage and the fuel gauge, it was telling me that I wasn't going to make it. Basically, over the last, you know, that next 100Ks or so, 200Ks, it had, I must have been using more fuel. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a headwind or I was just punching it a little too hard and it had, you know, I was chewing too much juice with the revs. I didn't think it was sitting that high though, just over 2,000 revs. And all of a sudden it was like, you're not going to make it 
to Headland with what you got in the tank. I'm like, oh, bugger. And I've normally got a, a jerry can of diesel on board as well, so it's not a big issue, but I had no, because I've just picked the ute up. Don't exactly know how far it goes. Don't have any diesel on board. And now I'm on this road where there's no, there's no servos until I get to Headland. And I kept, I couldn't get over it. I kept looking at it every, you know, 20 minutes or so, looking at how many Ks I had to go to get to Headland and how many Ks I had left on the tank. I'm like, man, I'm going to make this far out. It was right down on empty and I was still like not even at the turn off um, where you come, you know, where the Newman Road joins the Carrather Road and you turn left there and you kind of, there's that sort of that, yeah, that, what do you, you know, there's like a, a road that just sort of gradually turns left and you join, they join together and you're on the, on the, on the home stretch towards Headland and I wasn't going to make it and then, not long after that, so it's like half an hour out of town, I got a phone call from my wife that our dog Lily, the older girl, had had. If you ever seen my Instagram page, she's the big tall one with the. She's like black and tan, um, black tan and white. Beautiful, beautiful dog, and she'd been hit by a car. Got out of the yard, and had been hit by a car, and it did not sound good. And then she was all stressed and had a lot going on. She had the kids with her who were freaking out, so she was kind of, she was gone, <laughs> without much more information. And then um. On the way home, half an hour after this massive drive, I'm starting to feel a bit like a zombie. It's like 7 o'clock at night. My dog's been hit by a car. I don't know how much fuel I got. And there's that fucked up turn off now. It's uh, like you got to go the back road to get down into South Headland to go to that Cowtex, which was the closest petrol station. And I'm like, I've made it this far. I might as well just, just punch it to the... Um, to the Puma and put some fuel in there and then I didn't want to turn off because I wanted to get home and see what's going on with my dog and and just the way the road works now you can't turn off into South Headland and you can't keep going straight ahead and go past the Puma end up going around the back of Wedgefield and then threw me out near the salt mines and I've missed all the servos without turning around I'm like I'm five k's from home I'll just make it and then the car cut out of fuel just before the salt bridge and like it's got a safety feature that it doesn't actually cut out of fuel. Your car just says that's enough and just basically and basically shuts itself down, so it doesn't suck up dirty fuel. So I was spewing about that man. I'm there parked on the side of the road. Had to call my brother to bring me out a jerry can full of full of diesel. I'd had another phone call by then to say that my dog had died. She was dead. I wasn't gonna make it home to see her, and I'm just numb, tired, feeling like a zombie. Hadn't eaten for 24 hours. That's right. I thought it'd be a good idea to do a fast on my way home. So I, I hadn't eaten for 24 hours, been driving for 16 hours on the side of the road and the salt bridge out of diesel when my dog's at home dead and my wife and kids fucking distraught and crying. Um, so that was a pretty stressful period of time. And then my brother rocked up with diesel and filled the car up, feeling like an idiot because I ran out of fuel, even though, you know, I've explained to you how it happened. It wasn't just pure stupidity. It was some bad luck and some and some misjudging of a new car I didn't really know very well. And I know how far it goes now, so I'll make sure I've always got that spare can, a spare Jerry of diesel on the back. Um, and then I got home and, yeah, there's my dog wrapped up in my daughter's doona blanket, uh, doona cover dead on the gardening table outside man and, and um apparently the story is there's a dog from around the neighborhood there's dingo actually it's half dingo and frank and he comes around sometimes and jumps in the yard he's very wily and he'd managed to push our gates in and open the kind of shitty gates um pushed them open and came in and ran around with the dogs and they all decided to go down the beach together so they left the yard and my wife's inside with doing dinner for the kids and stuff and didn't know what's going on and they've all ran down to the beach together and had a bit of a, a good old time down there and maybe 20 minutes half an hour or something and then they were coming back home 
just trotting across the road and she stepped out on the road and some dude fanged past and a ute and smacked her in the head. I think the head hit the back of the car. I've been trying to put it together in my mind how that actually played out, but yeah, her head hit the back of the car and he just kept driving. And a neighbour of ours saw that happen um, and you know she'd been there seeing it about to occur and was calling out to Lily and Lily didn't didn't pay attention and and, and yeah didn't listen and this car came past and smacked her in the head and apparently she was sort of pretty much fucked straight away like she spasmed out on the middle of the road and stuff and they reckon that you know it was a head injury so she was probably hopefully pretty much unconscious like from that point on I'm hoping that you know I wasn't there to hold her and tell her it was okay and pat her and you know she died and went away so I hope that she went you know I know she went reasonably quickly. I hope that she just wasn't there. I hope that that hit her head and shut her lights off and then the rest of it was just her body, like, you know, uh, your heart and that you know, nervous system sending messages to the body and it spasms and takes a little while to, to slow down and shut off. But I hope that she was pretty much brain dead when it first, when it when it happened originally, you know. Um, and it was super upsetting, like, for my wife who was stressed out, couldn't go down there because she had the kids with her. They were freaking and screaming and they out. She didn't want them to go down and see a dog dead on the road. We didn't know if it was a big mess. It wasn't. There was no blood at all. So it was a weird, like, just a dead dog with no physical mark on her. Um, and, it's, you know, and, and then there's me. I, I wasn't there. And I got this thing about when my dog was, when my childhood dog was she died when I was 13 I was 13 she was 13 we grew up we'd grown up together and um when we went to put her down I didn't go into the room to get her put down because I was too scared and I never f- forgot that I never kind of let that go that I wasn't there with her when she died um I think I spoke about this when we put Casper down and so it was really important to me when we when we put Casper down that um that I was there with him, holding him the whole time, looking in his eyes, patting him, telling him it was okay as he went, and it felt really, like, good, like it was meant to go down like that. And then, you know, two years later, it's Lily. I'm not even home for a whole week. She gets smacked in the head by a car and dies on the side of the road on her own. It's just it's this horrible way for, for your your little pet, your little baby to go out, man. You know, you want to be there for him, and, and you know, you're meant to look after him, and, and just, yeah, it feels pretty shitty not to have been there and not to have been able to see her and hold her until it was okay and all that sort of stuff, man. Just come home and your dog's dead and just got to dig a, a fucking hole on a Sunday night and throw her in it. So that was that was pretty shit house. So yeah, it was a very, very uh bitter ending to the to the week for me. Um didn't even get to put her in the back of the dog pod that I'd just spent all this time organising, building, paying for and going and picking up. You know, so we could do adventures as a family and have me dogs in there. I've still got the one dog, the pup who's sitting right next to me right now, the podcast dog, who's become very, very attached to us since the last week. Her big sister, who was her idol, um, died. So she's going everywhere, doing everything, sleeping in the bed, <laughs> all that sort of stuff at the moment. But yeah, pretty pretty shitty end to the whole thing, mate. Look, on a positive note, um, on a positive note, I got a phone call while I was away and we got another pay rise at work because it's been hard to get people and keep people so and some other benefits that have been, that have been added on to, the, to the, the package that we have at work now which is pretty bloody good um, you know it's going to help with the savings this year it's a year that we really want to put a lot of money away um, so that's that's going to help out a, a lot you know so that was a that was a big positive man um, we've got big some big plans and, and, and a lot of work to get done this year so I'm quite happy that that, that happened, that was cool. 
as a positive um, because you know, there's and the money thing was is is for the reason that it's hard to get people and keep people right now and this town is just I mean I don't know what you guys feel like if you live here in Headland but to me it just feels like the town is dying right now man it's it's becoming more and more just a FIFO town things are shutting down there's nothing to do for families nothing to do for kids yacht clubs not even open anymore there's cafes that are on restricted hours a lot of like basketball's not starting up this year. We had the gymnastics shut down a couple of years ago, never to open up again. It's just there's just more like less and less to do for families in a town that never really had a lot for families to do anyway. And when you're in the middle of summer like this, it's it's pretty negative. It's pretty shitty. You can't do much on a weekend. You feel like you're just stuck inside. Um, so this this yeah, it's a it's a rough time to be in town, man. We really need it this summer to piss off so we can start getting back outside and enjoying it and doing the things that Headland has to offer that, you know, the town has you know, the town of Port Headland has nothing to do with um because it's just failing on all accounts, man. This this town has a as a town for families, which is shit out. So at least the money is going up to to help sort of um salve that wound a little bit. Because it's been rough, and I'm sure a lot of families around the place feel like that at the moment. Especially, you know, we're living in WAE itself is a shitty place to live right now with this dictator prick we've got in in power, um, making just decisions without based not based on good science um, that affect all of our lives, you know, directly and drastically. So, bit of a rough time, and definitely got a bit of a negative spin at the moment. So I'm willing and waiting for. Willing doesn't make sense, but I'm waiting, waiting for for summer to end so we can bloody get get out and and, and do some stuff. Use this ute we just bloody um, spent all this time and money on setting up. So, um, yeah, man, it takes it out here the summer. I don't know, I don't know if it's anything to do with this, but like I've been feeling good lately, drinking way less this year. I'm doing the whole carnivore or animal-based diet thing. That's been going well for me. But just the other day on on Thursday, I think it was, at the at the gym in the morning, I felt a bit nah, bit lackluster, a bit low energy in the morning before I went there, went to the gym anyway, did a leg session, a big leg session. Well, it wasn't a big leg session, but leg sessions are always kind of big anyway. And just at the end of my workout, I was feeling a bit yucky. I went to the change room, sit down for a minute and sort of get my breath back and have a rinse off and go over to work. And then I was just starting feeling worse and worse and worse. And I was like, oh man, I'm feeling nauseous and lightheaded and and feel like I need to get low to the ground. And I'm like, oh man, oh no, I know what this feeling is. I had this as a kid. So when I was a kid, I used to sort of pass out sometimes randomly. Sometimes if I'd been physically exerting myself, um... And I know the feeling must have happened to me 15, 20 times as a kid. It hasn't happened for like 25 years probably since the last year in high school, I'd say. So whatever that was, managed to figure it out. My body figured it out and it doesn't happen to me anymore. Um, obviously, I exert myself quite a bit. I work outside, I've got a physical job, uh, I, I exercise a lot, I do a lot of, you know... Um, uh, um, sort of physical activities and have never had an issue with that but yeah for whatever reason I felt it coming on and I was like in the change rooms at the gym man it's like a sauna some hot from doing this workout and then I'm starting feeling clammy and sweaty and faint and I'm like, I've got to get out of here I'm going to pass out on the change room like floor and no one's even going to see me here so I made my way out to like the sitting room outside the change rooms because at least I was in the aircon. 
and I'm sitting down, I sat down on the floor, and then a dude come around the corner and saw me, and I must have looked like a ghost, and he kind of said, are you all right, man? I'm like, uh, I think I'm going to pass out, man. He goes, you want an ice pack? I'm like, yeah, yes, please. He went off to get me an ice pack. By this stage, I'd grabbed a nearby cushion and, and laid down on the floor because I knew I was going to pass out. Otherwise, actually, before that happened, I, I threw up in the bin there. There was a bin there. I, I leant over and threw up in the bin a little bit because I was super nauseous. I wanted to get that out of the way. And then lay down on the floor, and I didn't actually pass out, but I reckon I was about five or ten seconds away from it. And then a couple of people, Jazza and Taryn, mates of mine, who were at the gym, they came around and saw me and sat with me and chatted with me, and Jazza got me a cookie, which I wouldn't be eating normally on the animal-based diet, but I thought I might need some sugar and stuff. So, uh, And I just sort of slowly started coming good again and got, got up and finally went and got myself cleaned up and, and got out of there, and over the next couple of hours just got better and better and better and sort of got on with it the rest of the day. But it was super weird, random, man. Like I haven't had a, a, a an episode like that, like I said, for about 25 years. Um, so I don't know I don't know if that was heat related and just a big bit of general exhaustion coming back from a week off and then being out in the you know in the heat not, not that I'm in the heat all the time at work um, you know the, the way with my job but um, I guess you are still in the heat at times and I don't know what happened there but it was super embarrassing <laughs> basically passing out on the gym floor in the little sitting area wasn't too busy so only a handful of people saw me which was good <laughs> and I was back there the next bloody day making a good account of myself so yeah, yeah, super, super weird, but I don't, and maybe, yeah, mate, legs always takes the piss out of me. I've got these skinny little black fella legs that I've just been, you know, hereditary, her, hereditarily uh, blessed with, if you will, uh, and they just, look, they work fine, I'm pretty quick, I can do what I need to do, I can kick good as well, but but they're just not great at lifting lots of weight and putting muscle on. It is like a backwards, it's, it's, it's pushing shit uphill backwards for me doing legs, trying to build leg muscles. These things are made for walking across the desert for, for, for days and days on end, not for moving large you know um, amounts of weight and putting on bulk. So it's definitely working against my genetics trying to build my legs up. But you know, mate, you can't bloody skip leg day. There's no excuse for it. So I, per- I push on and persevere every uh, anyway, even if I sometimes pass out on the gym floor afterwards. <laughs> Oh, you got I guess you got to laugh at it, mate. It's the truth that happened. So, uh, yeah, what else happened this week? Look, I, I passed a, uh, I, I set a new record this week. I got back, I was down south with my mate. Don't smoke weed very much these days. Occasionally, I enjoy it, but I just don't have a lot of opportunities to, to you know, because I like to just kick back when I have a, a joint or whatever. Smoked a, a half a joint with my mate down in Busso um, on the weekend, and then. Come back to work this week, and lo and behold, I need to do a piss test because I've got a, a new induction to do. So I'm like, great, that's great random timing. Um, so basically, I gave it to till Thursday, I think, which is would have been six days, and I was pretty confident I'd pass it anyway. I went and passed the old piss test after six days, mate, and that's a new record. My for me, my record last time when I was in my twenties and I first went underground, I'd been smoking weed every day for probably eight years maybe 10 years probably 10 years every day man like maybe there would have been there would have been 10 days in that entire 10 years that I hadn't smoked weed and I passed my piss test after eight days I went on the seventh day I was a bit nervous about it so I scaled heaps of water did a piss that was they couldn't get a reading from went back the next day and passed with flying colors or without flying colors should I say um and yeah, this one was six days, mate. Out of the old system, the old metabolism. That just fucking 
man, just maybe maybe that's what happened to me on Thursday. It was my body just chewing through the last of the the last of the fucking shit that was <laughs> it knew I had to get out of its body before I went did did the bloody piss test. But anyway, I, I was all good, all clean, all clean, and um, yeah, yeah, new record for me, I reckon. Um, yeah, so. I mean, aside from nearly passing out on the gym floor, everything else is going pretty good. The old animal-based diet's going good. I'm getting better at finding some um, variety in it. I'm just getting into the world of uh, uh, what you can do with minced meat or ground beef now, a bunch of different things you can do with that to be more cost-effective. got the missus on board now because she's had some stomach issues for, for forever on her stomach, so we're just giving this one a try for her to see if it can help even things out. Um but you do occasionally have some bathroom emergencies, if I'm honest with you. And I think it's kind of when you're on the diet quite strict and then you do something else. Like on Friday night, we made homemade pizzas and I had a couple of slices and Mrs. had a couple of slices. I think she had some ice cream as well. And I think when you're eating just meat and fruit like that and very little dairy and no you know, no fiber, no, no, no um, gluten or bread or anything like that, when you do have something else, it kind of just fucks the whole system up, man, and then you have some problems the next day. It's happened to me basically every time I've had some dramas, I can pinpoint what I ate that set me off. And like I said, I had some pizza on the Friday night and then a, a little bit of an, a, a bathroom emergency earlier on today, and it's kind of like... A, it's a weird thing when you you get your stomach starts gurgling and churning like that, and it's quite often when you're in, not in a position to to deal with it directly, you've got to get somewhere. And it's like it's like your sphincter just just decides it just comes to its own conclusions. You're like, man, I need to hold this in at all costs. This is not going to be good. This is not the time. And old mate, Mister Sphincter, just goes, buddy. If that comes knocking on my door, I'm opening the floodgates. You got no say in it. And the brain's saying, no, man, we're going to hold tight. We're not in this stomach muscles. Like, we're going to do this, man. We're going to, we'll fucking get there. We'll get where we need to go. And the sphincter's going, this is my show. When it comes down to the crunch, it's my decision. If he comes knocking on my door, I'm not having that shit hanging around the back door making noises, stinking up the place. I'm gonna open the bloody floodgates. You must make sure you're in the right, you must make sure you're in the right bloody place, all right? So you just there's no bargaining with him, mate. You got very little to say over what he does. You think you're in charge of the whole system. When it comes down to it, there's certain situations where you have very, very little control over what's actually going to happen. You just have to make sure you're in the right place at the right time, or it's fucking trouble, city. I didn't have that happen to to me today, but let's be honest, we've all had it happen to us as adults at least once in our lives. You just didn't get yourself into the right spot at the right time, and Mr Sphincter said, Bad luck, buddy. I'm opening the door. Anyway, that's half an hour. On that note, I had some other shit to say, but I don't really need to go into it, mate. Um, Basically, I was going to say, look, there's a whole lot of crazy shit going on in the world at the moment. There's obviously the floods over east. That's horrible. There's war in Ukraine, which we don't know where to get our information from, what to believe. We definitely can't just believe everything the mainstream media tell us. They've pricks have just spent two years showing us how much they bullshit us. Uh, you know, there's there's the COVID finally exploding and going off in WA. Good work, Mark. You did a great job. 
Um, fucking, and then I just listened to a podcast the other day with Majid Nawal on the Joe Rogan Experience. Scared the shit out of me talking about like this new world order and and how the the elites are working together and on a global kind of um, uh, system to bring in new currencies that'll control the populations and how this whole this digital um, uh, uh, what do you call it like a a uh, checkpoint society we've got now with the COVID uh, vaccination uh, um, passports and scanning in where you go places and all these apps that pinpoint and tell you where you are. Like this is all a big plan, they reckon, he reckons, and he's got some very compelling uh, uh, information about it. Uh, and proof uh, that this is what the whole new world order, how they're going to try and keep control over the population in an ever-changing decentralised world with decentralised currencies and stuff becoming really, really you know, popular. So that was terrifying. Check that podcast out if you want. I'm not going to go into it too much. My whole point of bringing that up was that I'm going to take a step back from all that shit. The media just makes me angry. It distracts me and drains my energy, putting my energy into the wrong places. Um, look, I'm always going to be there to support and stand up for, for like the anti-mandate movements and the voices and people who are activists in that space. Um, but for me, I feel like I'm just screaming into the storm, you know, into the into the into the ether, and not being heard. And it's just it's wasting my energy, man. It's giving me bad vibes that I then carry around with me. So I, I'm going to step away from all that shit and just try and focus on other stuff. Um, I'm focusing on caravans now. I've got the, can- the canopy sorted. I'm focusing my energy on becoming an expert on off-road caravans. I want to buy one this year. Um, it's my new obsession. And I've just become infatuated with the idea of buying a brand new off-road caravan instead of a second-hand one. So trying to work out all the X's and O's and see if that's financially viable uh, for us at the moment. There's a lot, of, a lot to consider, a lot that goes into it. Um, I know what my heart wants. And I know I know what my head wants now. I just have to see if um, if the old back pocket can can fit it into the into the scheme of things. So we'll see what happens with that. Watch this space. That is the new obsession. Off road caravans. I'm liking the Kokodas. The Kokoda Force Eight is a real nice unit. So I'm going to get balls deep in off road caravan over the next couple of months and probably start talking about it a shitload. I'm going to put my energy into that because that's something positive that I can actually uh, affect some change on rather than all this other bullshit. Like I said, I'm still there. To, I'm going to support all the other anti-mandate movement because I think that's absolute bullshit and these pricks can't go unchecked, but I'm just not going to waste so much of my energy on it and walk around angry all the time, man, because it's been draining me, I think. Um, that's all I've got to say. Um, yeah... Yeah, man, that's it. That's all I've got to say. I'm going to get out of here. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, there is some video edits coming soon. I've got some footage of the canopy. I need to, need to get time to edit and get up online. So I'll, I'll put a link to that on the, the Insta and, and shout it out on the next podcast when that's ready to go. I'm really going to start working on that podcast channel over the next few months and start getting my skills um, uh, sharpened up. There is no skills. So I'm going to start building the skills to then sharpen them up, put it that way. All right, take it easy. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Um, hold us balls. I hope it cools down soon. We can all get out of this friggin' fiery hellhole that we're living in currently. All right, take it easy. Peace. Catch up.